Welcome to Slovo, the podcast of the ATA Slavic Languages Division. I'm your host, Tala Bearden, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with ATA President-elect Veronika Demichelis. Veronika is an ATA-certified English and Russian translator specializing in website and app localization, human resources, marketing, corporate communications, and social responsibility. Additionally, she is an adjunct professor in the Translation and Interpretation Program at Houston Community College in Houston, Texas, where she recently designed and developed the curriculum for a localization certificate program. She also produces and co-hosts the podcast, Smart Habits for Translators, along with current ATA president, Maralena Sanchez-Zampaolo. Additionally, Veronica has been an active volunteer in the TNI community over the years, having served as Director for Professional Development of the Houston Interpreters and Translators Association, HEDA, as a member of the External Partnership Standing Committee of the International Federation of Translators, FIT, as a member of ATA's Board of Directors, and as a chair of ATA's Professional Development Committee. Since October of 2021, she has served as ATA's president-elect, whose duties include organizing the annual ATA conference. So if you attended ATA 63 in Los Angeles and had a blast there like I did, you can thank Veronica. And speaking of her volunteer roles, Veronica is also a former host of this very podcast, Slovo. So it's awesome to now have her here as a guest. Veronica, welcome. Thank you for joining me here today on the podcast. Thank you, Hala. It's a pleasure being here. So let me say right off the bat, congratulations on a successful ATA 63. We are going to talk about last year's conference and this year's conference a bit more later. But for now, let's begin from the beginning the way we do with all of our podcast guests. Veronica, how did you first get into the translation profession? <laughs> I love that question. And I love hearing um, colleagues' stories of how they got into translation or interpreting. And I feel like most often it starts with, I always loved languages. <laughs> and that that always, I mean, that's been a case for me too. Yes. Um, I've loved languages since I was little. Um, and um, therefore, I mean, I studied uh, English and French when um, when I went to middle and high school. And so after I finished school and started thinking about my my next steps and, you know, uh, the university, I picked uh, linguistics and I, I completed a master's in linguistics. But I um, never really got to, um, you know, apply uh, these skills full time because um, shortly after I started college, I started working um first part-time and then full-time uh, for a major international oil and gas company. And I worked there for 18 years um, in a variety of positions. I worked in human resources and communications and social responsibility. And um, I didn't work there as a translator nor an interpreter, but somehow uh, translation and interpreting would always find me there. Um, when I started in an administrative position, um, I was asked to translate contracts, uh, memos, then when I worked in communications, I would translate press releases. Um, when I was a um, HR manager, I would translate internal policies and procedures. Um, I also helped uh, subtitle our corporate films, um, helped transcreate marketing materials, translate our local offices website into Russian, interpreted in meetings and so on. So it would always be somehow, you know, it's, it would find its way <laughs> into my uh 
daily workflow, even though it was never a part of my job description. Um, and we did have an in-house team of translators and interpreters. So it was always fascinating to me um, to see how they worked. And um, I, you know, for a while scheduled um, their assignments and so on. So that, that always um, really excited me. I thought they had such a cool job. Um, and then we moved to Houston in 2012, my husband and I, and we had kids. And a few years later, I found myself at a crossroads. I could either go back to my corporate job or try something different. And I decided that after 18 years um, in oil and gas, I wanted to do something different. And um, living in a uh, really multicultural city um, such as Houston with so many languages spoken, I decided why not put my linguistic skills to good use finally and uh, become a translator. Um, so I took a two-year certificate um, at Houston Community College focusing on translation and interpreting and started my freelance translation business. That's awesome. That's a super interesting story. Mm -hmm. And I love how, like you said, translation kind of found you, yeah. um, even though that's not the career that you started out in. So um, as I already mentioned in your, the, I already mentioned the area, your areas of specialization in the intro, which could be broadly characterized as business-related translation. Mm -hmm. um, but could you tell us a little bit more about what kinds of projects you typically, typically work on and what kinds of clients you work with? Sure. Um, so I work with a combination of small and mid-sized agencies and direct clients. Um, for the past couple of years, I uh, mostly worked with localization projects. So many of my direct clients are app developers or companies that help app developers launch and promote their apps, um, various businesses that need help with their uh, website or marketing copy or um, that need to engage with Russian speaking consumers clients or even their own Russian-speaking employees, um, and also organizations that are involved in education, um, kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, so as I said, I started out um, doing both translation and uh, creative marketing translation, something you would call transcreation these days, um, and then slowly got into localization. And these days, I would say 90% of what I do is localization. Um, I do websites, apps, uh, video games, sometimes um, transcreation and um, search engine optimization, working with marketing copy, for example, and uh, also translation of e-learning content. Yeah, that's cool. And that's a very relevant type of translation these days to uh, website yeah. and app localization. I think really exciting for a lot of um, translators, very mm -hmm. dynamic field. So very cool. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And as I mentioned before, you work not only as a translator, but also as a translator trainer in the same translation and interpretation program that you yourself attended at Houston Community College. Uh, so could you tell us how you ended up in the role of adjunct professor there? Uh, well, like most uh, great things in life, it just, it's, it was, uh, um, I guess, a stroke of luck or uh, just, you know, things find you a certain way. I completed the program myself. Um, and got to know the wonderful program coordinator and founder, uh, Dr. Natalia Noland. And um, I um, I chose to complete the program because um, even though I had a degree in linguistics and I had a pretty good idea of how to translate and interpret, this was never my full-time job. And I felt that I, uh, if I wanted this to be a successful endeavor, um, I wanted to understand various aspects of this profession, especially here in the United States. 
um, and gain uh, the necessary skills to succeed. Um, and as I worked through the program, um, completed it myself, I was really impressed with the quality of instruction. And um, I felt really honored when Dr. Noland approached me after I graduated and uh, asked me if I would be interested in, in teaching uh, a course uh, in the program as an instructor. And I've been teaching at HCC since 2016. Um, I've taught a number of courses. I love working with students um, and being a part of the program that not only has high quality instruction based on industry standards and best practices, but also is very accessible to students coming from many walks of life um, in, in such a multinational, multicultural city as Houston. Um, and I, I love helping students um, find their new career path, uh, find this passion in, uh, in such a fantastic profession as translation and interpreting. Um, and also enjoy seeing how the program has grown since I went through it. Uh, we are now set to offer a new certificate in localization and audiovisual translation this fall. And I am really excited to start teaching these classes. Awesome. That's another case of translation and language related work finding you once yeah. again. Right. Yeah. And that's that's great. I love how um, you went through the program. They're like, wow, Veronica's so good. We've, we've got to keep her here somehow. Even though she graduated. Um, right. And again, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, not only do you teach translation students as they work towards their um, certificates, but you also share helpful insights and tips for professional translators in a different podcast mm -hmm. that you co-host with Madalena Sanchez and Paulo, who's uh, a current ATA president. And the podcast is called Smart Habits for Translators. So many of our listeners here at Slovo might have heard of Smart Habits for Translators as well or listened to episodes before. So how did that podcast get started? <laughs> well, uh, Madalena and I met through ATA right here on this very podcast. Uh, when I <laughs> <Yay>. joined, <laughs> it's this kind of full circle, full circle, exactly. circle moment. Um, so when I joined ATA, um, I decided um, that I wanted to be an active member of my home division, SLD, and I offered my skills and talents <laughs> to the uh, then SLD administrator, Ekaterina Howard. I remember emailing her and saying, hey, I'm new. I just joined the division. I would love to get involved. What can I help with? And she said, oh, I always thought it would be cool for us to have a podcast. <laughs> and so I volunteered to set that up and co-host together with Ekaterina. And Madalena was one of, of our first guests. Um, and so while scheduling her interview and discussing the questions um, and then also chatting after the interview, um, we really connected in the process. We have a lot in common. We both have young kids. We don't have any immediate family nearby. Um, so we have to rely on um, friends and really, um, you know, spouses and ourselves while parenting and working. Uh, we both enjoy parenting, but we also love our work and we love uh, being actively involved in our profession. So we would always find ourselves chatting about the joys and struggles of being a freelancer and a parent and uh, kind of sharing, you know, what works for us, what systems or processes we have that help us keep our heads above water. <laughs> and one day, uh, Madalena shared this idea of a podcast dedicated to smart habits for translators with me and asked if um, we could do it together. And of course, I said yes, because we've by then we've already, you know, been spending so much time chatting um, on these topics. And it kind of felt like, why not record this and share with other translators who um, may also want to find uh, some clarity um, in their work life and personal life? 
Um, and fun fact, we actually didn't meet in person until the ATA conference um, in Palm Springs in 2019. And that was after we launched the podcast. So we started recording it um, without actually meeting in person. We would just, you know, talk on the phone or do Zoom calls. That is really crazy how it comes full circle. You were right. at the time the host of Slovo yourself interviewing mm-hmm. Madalena, and now I'm the host of Slovo interviewing you. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, I personally have listened to many episodes of the Smart Habits for Translators podcast, so I would heartily recommend it to Slovo listeners as well. And you'll be able to find a link to the Smart Habits for Translators home website homepage in the show notes if you're interested. So check that out. So you also have been very active as a volunteer in the TNI community with hosting Slovo previously being one example of that. Um, and you've also served in several different roles in three different professional organizations, uh, the ATA, FIT, uh, the International Federation of Translators, and HEDA, which is the local Houston chapter of the ATA, the Houston Interpreters and Translators Association. So could you tell us a little bit more about how and why you got involved there? Sure. Yeah. Well, it's um, one of the examples of me just, you know, saying yes to opportunities. Um, And thanks to my corporate job, um, you know, when I worked um, in-house for that oil and gas company, I I knew how important a professional network was to me in that um, in that position. So when I decided to go freelance and and um, embark on this new career path, I really wanted to um, surround myself with with colleagues and become a part of a professional community. So I joined HITA and ATA right away to find my professional community, my home. Um, and I attended my first uh, HITA general meeting um, and was listening to um, the uh, HITA board and um, the HITA president at the time, Etta Traubing. And she mentioned that they had a vacant position of a, a professional development director um, and encouraged people to contact her if they were interested in kind of covering that position until the next election. And I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity. I um, worked in human resources for many years. I have an MBA in human resources, and I know how important professional development is. I love learning myself, and I thought this is a great opportunity for me to also learn Uh, what professional development means for translators and interpreters. And I want to help out and be actively engaged um, in my uh, local association. So I offered my services and uh, the HITA board voted me in for that um, position. And I rolled up my sleeves and got to work. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And then I ran for this position at the next year's election and was appointed for another term. Um, when it comes to FIT, um, FIT is an international association of TNI associations, and ATA is a member. And I was approached by Dr. Ellen Melby at one of the ATA conferences, and he, as he said, "I see you're really active in ATA. It looks like you um, like giving back to our profession. Would you be interested in serving on one of the FIT committees?" And he kind of gave me a little more information about FIT and how it's organized and what they do. And again, I felt like this was a great opportunity to learn more about our profession, understand the broader TNI world, um, and uh, how various associations work worldwide. So I said yes to that, and uh, it was really fun serving on that committee, learning more about external partners and stakeholders um, that are important to translators and interpreters, and get to know colleagues from around the world. So I'm really grateful for having had that opportunity. 
And as far as ATA, um, I, as I said, I started by um, getting involved in the SLD podcast. Um, I was then nominated to run for the director position in the 2019 election. I lost in that election and then got nominated, nominated again in 2020 and um, won in that election and uh, started serving as director and then got nominated again for the president-elect uh, position in 2021. And I was honored to be elected for this role. So that's what I've been doing since. Yes, and we're honored to have you as our president-elect as well. And as ATA president-elect, one of your duties is to organize the annual ATA conference. So last year in October, that was ATA 63 in Los Angeles. At ATA 63, there were over 1,100 attendees. There were over 150 professional development sessions on pretty much any topic you could think of. There were numerous networking events. There was an exhibit hall. There was a career fair. So it was a really large scale production. So what all went into organizing such a big and jam-packed conference? Uh, it was a lot of fun, um, but also a lot of work. <laughs> a I full bet. year of work. Um, and I, before becoming a translator and getting involved in ATA, I had experience when I was working as a communications manager um, and experience um, contributing to uh, various events, uh, organized events myself but never um, at this scale. <laughs> and um, yeah. what I realized um, immediately after getting elected um, is that um, ATA starts planning next year's conference at the current conference. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the day after I got elected, you know, I was invited, I was invited to join a meeting um, uh, planning next year's conference. And AT sets locations for future conferences up to five years in advance. So wow. we already know where we're going to be next year and the year after that and so on. But when it comes to, you know, the actual work organizing the event, we have a great team uh, between the conference organizer, uh, president, executive director of ATA. Uh, we have an amazing professional development manager, Adrian Lechna, whose job is to work on the conference year round and there's enough work for, for her and for all of us. And of course, the rest of ATA staff, many, many volunteers uh, who help promote the conference, review proposals, organize and host various networking events and so on. And, you know, speaking for myself, this can be a full-time job in just doing that. Mm -hmm. But luckily there are other people involved and there are countless hours that go into preparing such a large scale event. Um, you have to think of the attendees. What would they like? Why do they come to the conference? What can we offer them that's something they enjoy or something new they will enjoy? You have to think of speakers, um, exhibitors, sponsors, uh, companies that come to recruit language professionals, people who come to the conference to find new clients and meet new colleagues, and so on. And you also want to create an event that would appeal to both seasoned conference goers and newcomers and people across multiple language combinations and different areas of specialization. Oh, and you have to do all that while making sure you protect the association's finances and stay within our budget. So it's um, a lot of things to think about and juggle, but it's really fun because you really keep your finger on the pulse of the association and you try to listen to what people are saying about the conference and what they enjoy when they come to the conference. And uh, you feel like you're helping organize this event that brings us all together. 
Yeah, and I know that I had a fantastic time at ATA 63 last year. It was my first conference um, since last year was kind of my first year transitioning from translation student to uh, professional translator, but I heard everyone and their dog <laughs> recommending the ATA conference the whole year. Um, mm -hmm. And so I knew I had to attend and it was definitely absolutely worth it and a fantastic experience. So mm -hmm. a big really thank glad. you to Veronica and the entire team who works hard year round to organize the conferences. And like you said, uh, you start planning next year's conference, like the day after, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, that year's conference is over. Yeah. So you're already working on organizing ATA 64, which will right. take place in Miami, Florida, fun beaches um, yeah. in 2023. So could you give us a little sneak peek of what attendees can expect this year? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So as I said, we're trying to create an event that would appeal to both people who know and love annual conferences and newcomers. So we're bringing some of the popular, you know, tried and true events and also some new things to this year's conference. So this year we're meeting in Miami, um, October 25th through 28th. Um, we will kick it off on Wednesday with the advanced skills and training workshops. And I'm really excited about the speakers we're going to have at these workshops. Um, um, a lot to look forward to, uh, some workshops that we've never had before um, and some really amazing speakers. Um, and then for regular conference sessions um, this year, we're trying um, in some new formats so we can have both 60 minute and 30 minute presentations. So speakers can choose what kind of format they would like to present in. And we are also launching a few newer formats uh, like micro talks. These are 15 minutes. Um, presentations um, that are really engaging and address a specific topic in our profession. Uh, we'll have professional forums where division members can come together and work in small groups to discuss and find some, you know, maybe solutions or ways forward on some of the challenges or hot topics in their language combination or field of specialization and committee forums where uh, committee uh, representatives can share what their committees are working on and um, also maybe appeal to potential volunteers who would like to join the committee. Uh, we're also introducing some new conference tracks to highlight important areas of translation and interpreting, such as conference interpreting, translation and interpreting in education, localization, and so on, and also bring attention to topics that are really important, um, but haven't been, um, you know, haven't had a spotlight uh, or their own session track before, such as working in languages of lesser diffusion and diversity, equity, and inclusion in TNI. And uh, the call for proposals is out. So we are ex um, accepting um, pr proposals from speakers. I uh, look forward to reviewing them together with our team and the ATA64 website is live as well, so you can uh, visit the site and get a glimpse into what to expect. Yes, and in fact, the ATA64 website is also linked in the show notes, so be sure to check that out uh, for more info. And I know that, uh, Veronica, you and Madalena also have a little how-to video on how to submit a proposal. Right. Uh, if anyone's interested in submitting a proposal, they can check that out, and it'll be linked below. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for the sneak peek. That all sounds very exciting. And I'm sure next year's conference will also be a blast. Um, and I have to wonder, back when you attended your first ATA conference, did you, and like when you were a recent graduate um, from the HCC program, did you ever imagine that one day you'd be organizing the ATA <laughs> conference yourself? Oh, no, absolutely not. Um, 
I, I mean, it was all so new and very exciting, but I felt, I mean, definitely had a lot of imposter syndrome going on. And um, my very first ATA conference was in San Francisco in 2016. It was um, such an incredible experience, but also really like a whirlwind. Um, I'm so glad that it happened in the beginning of my freelance career because it really set me on the right path right away. Um, it was so fun to see how vibrant and welcoming our community is. And it was uh, a giant learning opportunity. And I remember um, uh, visiting a, a few of the networking events, participating in some events, and also uh, joining one of the breakfast tables where you could have breakfast with a board. And I was sitting next to Ted Wozniak and feeling so <laughs> intimidated <laughs> by his presence. But he was really lovely and friendly. And I, I remember thinking, wow, the board members are so friendly. Um, and I would have never imagined at that time that I would become a board member some years later and would even organize an event like this myself. Um, but that being said, I think what made me uh, want to get involved in ATA and say yes to all these different opportunities was that positive experience at the conference, because I met so many amazing colleagues felt very welcomed, uh, realized how many resources, tools are out there and how much is available for me as an ATA member. And so I felt encouraged to become an active contributor to the association and uh, say yes to various volunteer opportunities. So I think that's kind of predetermined <laughs> what was going to happen later on. I know I definitely felt the same way this past year when I went to my first conference. I felt like it put me on a really good track um, for moving forward and growing as a professional translator and interpreter. And I definitely also found everyone is is really friendly. Mm -hmm. um, so if you've never been to a conference before, um, one of the highlights for me was definitely just feeling that sense of community with other people who also love languages and love translation right. and interpreting. And you can also learn so much, not only from the sessions, but also from just the individuals that you meet and the conversations that you have. So if you are not making plans already to attend ATA 64, it's never too early to start. Right. Yeah, I hope to see you all there. So thank you so much, Veronica, for joining me today on this episode of Slovo and telling us a little bit more about your journey into translation and also a little bit about what we can expect this coming year at the ATA conference. Thanks, Helda. It was really fun to join you on the podcast. It was very special, and I enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you for tuning into Slovo, the podcast of the ATA Slavic Languages Division. If you enjoyed this show, we invite you to subscribe and listen to past episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>